Do you feel like you need God's encouragement and wisdom throughout the week to take hold of His promise to fly like an eagle? you come to the right place. Welcome to Eagles on the Hill. Let's join our host, Pastor Jeff Scheich. All right, people, I am your host, Pastor Jeff Scheich. So thanks for joining us on this edition of the podcast. We want to encourage you to be searching for us on YouTube at Eagles on the Hill and hit the subscribe button in the lower right-hand corner so you get up to date with all of these podcasts. You can also follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Follow us as we together follow Jesus and draw strength from him to fly like an eagle. Today, we're doing the third part of a three-part series called MAP, M-A-P. And what this series is all about is helping us to be able to give a defense for the faith that we have in Jesus. Obviously, we have a faith, but it is not based on nothing. Our faith is based on something, on facts that we can easily know and see, that our friends and neighbors can easily know and see as well. MAP stands for Manuscript, Archaeological Evidence, and prophecy, prophetic evidence that indeed the Bible and Jesus are true, that Jesus is who he said he was, namely the Son of God, the Savior of the world. So today we're going to take a look at prophecies, prophecies from even up to the beginning of the world, all the way up to a few hundred, three, four, five hundred years before Jesus, and see how they prophesy what takes place in Jesus' life. And I think you'll be amazed. We're just doing a sampling of Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. There are many, many more than what we're sharing today, but we're going to go through them and see um, how we can grow in faith as we see these different prophecies. So here we go. Let's take a look. Our first one is from Genesis 3.15. So right at the beginning, uh, I will put God says, I will put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman, Eve, between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. So God there uh, lets us know that he is going to be uh, sending a Savior who will be an offspring of a woman, who will be a human being, who will come and destroy Satan. And uh, there we have it, Genesis chapter 3, the first gospel proclamation. All right, let's take a look at the next one. Isaiah 7, verse 14. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. So now, not only is this Messiah going to be born of a woman, but going to be born of a virgin. Now that is uh, something that doesn't happen very often. So there you have it, Isaiah 7, 14. Genesis chapter 22, verse 18, God said to Abraham, Through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me right after the binding of Isaac there in Genesis chapter 22. But the point of that is that the Messiah will come through the line of Abraham, and so will be a descendant of Abraham. God defines that even further, refines that even further in Genesis 49, and says, The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nation shall be his. So you have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Judah— So Judah, the great-grandson of Abraham, God there promises that the descendant, the Messiah, will be a descendant not of anybody, but of Judah in particular. God continues to refine that in Jeremiah 23. says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. David was a descendant of Judah many, many years later, probably 400 years later or so. 
And so God, again, narrows down the family tree and says it's going to be from the line of David that the Messiah will come. Not only will the Messiah come from the line of David, but will be born in the same city in which David was born. Micah chapter 5, verse 2, the prophet says, You, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. And so you might remember when the uh, the account of the wise men in the Gospel of Matthew, they come to Jerusalem to find the newborn king, and the priests get together and they say, well, the newborn king, the Messiah, will not be born in Jerusalem, but be born in Bethlehem. And they pull out Micah 5, verse 2, to say this is where the Messiah is to be born. In Isaiah 35, Isaiah talks about what the Messiah will do when he comes. The eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like the deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. In the Old Testament, lots of miracles take place by many of God's prophets. But the one miracle that never is recorded to have taken place is this first one, the eyes of the blind opened. Jesus, of course, opens the eyes of the blind. And that's another way in which we know that he was the Messiah, the prophesied one. Jesus, on Palm Sunday, rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. Zechariah chapter 9 prophesies that and says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Well, people say, oh, well, Jesus knew that prophecy, so... That's why he did that, because he was trying to fulfill prophecy. Well, that argument doesn't hold water as we continue. Psalm 41 verse 9 says, Even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread, has turned against me. And so Judas turned against Jesus after sharing bread with him on that last supper that Jesus had with his disciples. Judas turns on Jesus and betrays him in fulfillment of Psalm 41. I'm sure Jesus didn't set that one up. Zechariah chapter 11 says, I told them, if you think it best, give me my pay, but if not, keep it. And so they paid me 30 pieces of silver. Surely the priests who paid Judas 30 pieces of silver to betray Jesus were not intentionally fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah, trying to prove that Jesus was Messiah. They were, in fact, trying to kill Jesus. Psalm 22, they divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. Soldiers at the foot of the cross of Jesus casting lots for his garment in fulfillment of Psalm 22. Wow, that's a lot of prophecies. What's the chances that one person fulfills all those prophecies? Well, we're not done yet. Zechariah 12, verse 10. I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced. Wow. Jesus, of course, was pierced on the cross. The soldiers did not come and break his legs because he was already dead, if you remember the account of that in the Gospels. But to prove that he was dead, to make sure he was dead, they stabbed him in the side with a spear and came forth a flow of blood and water, as the New Testament records. Fulfillment of the prophecy of Zechariah chapter 12. Psalm 34. God protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. And so, of course, not one of Jesus' bones was broken on the cross because he was pierced for our transgressions. Powerful, powerful fulfillment of prophecies in the life of Jesus. I'm going to read a section to you, and uh, it's going to sound like 
it was written in the New Testament. It's going to sound like it was written after the crucifixion of Jesus. However, this section was actually written 700 years before Jesus. A prophecy of Isaiah. Here we go. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. You can almost picture Jesus hanging on the cross. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, each of us to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Remember, Jesus did not argue at all at the trial. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? He was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. If you remember, Jesus was assigned a grave, Joseph of Arimathea's grave, a grave in which no one had ever been laid. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Isaiah 53. What a powerful prophecy of the crucifixion of Jesus, how he suffered and died for the sins of the world. Psalm 16, verse 10. I love how this ends. You will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. A prophecy of God that Jesus would one day rise from the dead. And in fact, his body did not see decay, but he was raised to life on the third day. That is just a sampling of Old Testament prophecies. There are many, many, many more. The point of all this is to be able to reassure ourselves that Jesus fulfilled those prophecies of the Old Testament, that he is the Messiah who was promised, and for us to be able to be ready to give a defense to those who would ask us, why do you have this hope in Jesus? Three things, M-A-P, manuscript evidence, archaeological evidence, and prophetic evidence that Jesus is the Messiah. Well, thanks for listening today. That's what we got for you. We want to encourage you to write us at eaglesonthehill211 at gmail.com. That's eaglesonthehill211. It's all one word. No spaces, dots, dashes, underscores, just one word. Eaglesonthehill211 at gmail.com. Let us know how we've encouraged your faith, maybe some other topics that you'd like us to talk about here on the podcast. Remember the promise of God in Isaiah 40, that those who hope in the Lord will fly on wings like eagles. And we pray that you would claim that promise as yours today because God has promised it to you. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time on the podcast.